and welcome to Word at Last, the podcast to the students and parents of OARC from the OARC Oral Communications class. This is the one and only place where we talk about OARC and all of its accomplishments and how we celebrate it to this day yes uh back in the early 60s the nfl and the it was the nfl and the afl before it was the nfc and the afc all together in the nfl and they the two top teams of those leagues came up and played into a championship game but in the 19 in 1966 they merged both of them into the nfl and they split it into two different uh divisions which is the nfc and the afc which we know now and the first Super Bowl was in 1969, and that's how we came up with celebrating the top team of the NFL. And Vince Lombardi won the first two championships ever, so the teams now fought for the trophy, the Vince Lombardi Trophy, which is named after him because he won the first two ever. Uh, the Super Bowl date has changed over the years tremendously. Uh, in 1967 to 78, the Super Bowl was played on Sundays in the early to mid-January. And then in 79 to 2003, it was played during late January. And then the first Sunday of February from 2004 to 2021. And then from 2021 to now, it's like mid mid-February, like second Sunday of the month. Off the top of your head, can you tell me what teams have won the most? Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots have won six, both. And then right under them, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers are tied for fifth, five each. And and there's more down the list, like three, two, four, whatever. But, and then the Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Detroit Lions have are the only four teams in the NFL to never appear in the Super Bowl ever. What team do you support? Uh, I support the Cowboys, which we've all, we've won a lot of Super Bowls, but it's been a while. Do you have a memorable celebration you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, we celebrate the Super Bowl every year, but since my team hasn't made it there in a while, I've never really had a favorite time to celebrate. But we celebrate it every year, whatever team is going. We pick a team and celebrate them or cheer them on. Do you have anything else you'd like to share about Super Bowl Sundays? Uh, Hope 49ers crush Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's dreams. Thank you. Hey, Mariana, what's going on? Nothing. Uh, I hear you're doing a little uh, podcast about Stupid Bowl Sunday. Yes, yes, I am. Um. I found some information I'd like to share with you. Uh, It's by uh, Mike Snyder wrote it for the USA Today. He wrote this uh, last year, February 12th, 2023, so it's almost a year old. Uh, One thing he talked about is could the Super Bowl Monday ever become a national holiday? Here's what would have to happen. And this was in the USA Today. He says there's plenty of hype and anticipation for Super Bowl Sunday, which matches at uh, this time it was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Still the Kansas City Chiefs, but they are playing the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but the Monday after the big game can feel like a letdown, whether you have uh, whether you had a team to pull for 
in the event or not Super Bowl parties can spill over into late Sunday night. And that can leave uh, revelers as well as those who travel to the game or travel together uh, and watch with friends scrambling to make it to work on Monday. I agree with him so far. Over the years, Many have had a game plan of making the Monday after the event a national holiday, handing off a three-day weekend to football fans. Whoop, whoop, I'm ready for to do that, especially now that it's in February. Uh, that would also benefit children's and teens who want to watch the game and the commercials, of course, even though it could push up against bedtime on a school night. Uh, for that uh, reason, some Philly and Philly area schools are delaying the start of school Monday for two hours. How cool is that uh, from last year? And uh, last year, Cincinnati public schools and some Cincinnati area school districts canceled classes the day after the game. That's pretty awesome. Uh, do you watch the Super Bowl? No, not really. I, I, I usually have some kind of get-together with the family, invite them over, and we have uh, my wife's making taco soup this year. Uh, instead of us getting uh, nachos or pizza, at least that's the plan. So we're we're planning to have not uh, taco soup and and watching. And and I'm not really for either team, which makes it a lot more fun because when the Bears play, which happens very rarely, uh, never. Yeah, almost never. <sighs> then then I have to get all anxious and worried, and so I kind of like it better when I, I don't have to worry. Although I want the Bears to win. Uh, did. There's another part of this story. Uh, what did you find? Yes, um, the taco soup sounds delicious, but what would it take to make the Super Bowl Monday a holiday? The Congress and the President over the years have enacted 12 federal holidays, including New Year's Day, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Christmas, and mo- most recently, Juneteenth. In June 21, 2021, Congress passed a bill making June 19 a federal holiday commemorating the symbolic end of slavery in the United States and President Joe Biden signed the bill. Even though these are considered federal holidays, they are they are not national holidays. They are only in t- uh applicable applicable ac- applicable <laughs> applicable You start with the p. App app lick Applicable. That's really close. And there's no way I'm cutting this out of the podcast. <laughs> Two federal employee, employees and the District of Columbia notes that Congress, Congressional, Congressional Research Service report update in July 2021. Each state gets to determine its legal holidays, the report states. As an example, at least nine states have made Juneteenth an official paid holiday for state employees, which several other states have made laws that make federal holidays and state holidays. But the majority of the states may simply observe and recognize the holiday. So, what do you think? Do you think that uh, we should or should not have the Monday after the Stupid Bowl as a holiday? What do you think? Me, personally, I think we should. I mean, it's just a day off of school, honestly. I mean, you, because you don't watch the game. But if you think about, we have uh, President's Day, I think, is in February. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's, is there, we don't get that day off here at school. I don't think there's any days off in February for a holiday that that we observe at our school. So why couldn't we kind of make sure that the Super Bowl is always played around... uh, (laughs) A federal holiday. Maybe they could move the Super Bowl, make it easier for everybody. Now that it's in February, it used to be in January, 
and uh, they've added more games to the schedule for the NFL, so now it's ending up in, uh, in February. I think this may be your purpose in life, for you to make that the holiday for everybody. Seems like a lot of work. It does seem like a lot of work. Hey, I think, uh, I think we've got a good podcast going with what uh, you found out about the uh, uh, Super Bowl. Maybe, you, maybe you'll give it a try this year. Maybe. All right. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Bye. Later. Time to start. Hey, Noah, how are you doing? Good. Yeah. Eh, I've got a cold I'm fighting with. Um, you know, we're making a podcast about the month of February and all the celebrations that we're having. And uh, you were lucky enough to get the Random Acts of Kindness Day uh, celebration. Uh, I see you've got uh, some literature written by Ashley Williams. She put this in USA Today. And this came out last year, February 17th on 2023, and then she updated it at 8.16 a.m. But these are her words. Uh, what did you take out of this? What's this uh, top part say about uh, the random acts of kindness? If you're in the spirit of doing good, what better day to give back than on National Random Acts of Kindness Day? The annual the occasion? Yep. On February... 17th is dedicated dedicated to doing good deeds for others man that's that sounds like a pretty good holiday i found this uh myself this was on the random acts of kindness foundation website and uh, it's uh www.randomactsofkindness.org and i saw that they had something called a ractivist and i thought <clears throat> A Ractivist? What's that? So Ractivist is short for Random Acts of Kindness Activist. And they said they're, uh, they're the people that end up brightening what otherwise would have been just a normal day. You know the sort, the clerk at the store who tells you to have a great day and really means it. The person on the bus who offers their seat to a pregnant or elderly person. The little tender gestures when you need them most, but ex- uh, expect them the least. Yep, those are the ones that stay with you, the random acts of kindness that connect you to your humanity, remind you how much love there is in the world, and inspires you to pay it forward. Can you imagine a world where kindness is the norm? That would be awesome. Um, I, uh, I go to church in New York City on Sundays. I watch it online. It's uh, called St. Patrick's uh, Cathedral, and... There's a priest there. He's not the, the bishop, but his name's Father Salvo. And whenever he gets done with the Mass, he always says at the end of it, and have a nice day or have a good weekend. And the other priests, most of them don't say anything afterwards. And to me, that, I just think, you know, that's, that's getting to what Jesus was talking about is, is the kindness. Um, what else did you have in your article? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh... Here's what to know about Random Acts of Kindness Day and how to participate. Okay. Uh, turn that page. And right. That right up there. What's that say? Journalist and writer Ann Herbert. Yep. Is credit, credited 
with Kojak. Uh, coining. Coining. That's the, the phrase. Ran, uh, practice random kindness and senseless acts of beauty. The title of her article is published in the former Coevolution Quarterly, Quarterly. Yep. Quarterly. <laughs> Journal in 1982. The article sparked a kindness movement that spread to the or two surrounding areas. So she in 19, what was that, 82? 1982. So this is pretty dang new. This is a, a pretty new web or a pretty new holiday that you know. I know we don't get the day off or anything like that, but it sure is a good one to follow. And on the website I was looking at, um, they have a winter Ractivist toolkit. It says our winter Ractivist toolkit continues with our February theme of expand your network. Every month, Rack creates a toolkit to help all of you promote kindness throughout your own communities using the Rack frameworks Inspire, Empower, Act, Reflect, and Share. And so it says, this month we have a special toolkit with a ton of fun resources just in time for Random Acts of Kindness Week, which is next week, February 11th through the 17th, 2024. Uh, this says Inspire. Check out our brand new video. So if you go there, meet Norm. Inspire, connect, and bring color to gray. I watched that. We watched that the other day. That's what I put up there. Uh, and then they have one uh, under Empower. Download our seven ways to make kindness to the kindness the norm template and challenge yourself and others to complete all seven acts during the month of February. So that would be something good for our listeners to check in on. Uh, act. Uh, Rack Week activities. Looking for a way to add kindness to your community. Check out one of our brand new step-by-step kindness activities. And then the other three, reflect, share, and I guess there's two more. Reflect and share, and then at the end it says, uh, Tom Ford, the most important thing in life are the connections you make with others. And I agree with that 100%. Um, is there anything you want to add before we go? You want me to read that? Yeah, do you want to end it with that? I can. Being, or you want me to read this? Yeah, yeah, good. the whole thing if you want. Okay. Random acts of kindness and how to take part. Being kind is the most effective ways. Yeah, you can start with small and simple acts, said Jacqueline Lindsay. Yep, that's it. Co-founder and CEO of kindness.org. Think about what what's in front of you. Remove the pressure that it needs to be a big group. What's that? Big grand gesture? Yep. yep. Lindsay, Lindsay said, compliment someone or reach out to someone who matters to you. Let them know why. So what she's saying is you don't have to think of something like paying off somebody's house or yeah. buying them a new car. You just open the door for them, tell them to have a nice day. These days you have to be careful if you say, well, you look nice because next thing you know, they think that you're just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you, you meant something else. I don't know. So... Uh, I hope you have a good uh, random act of kindness day. I think it's February 17th. Yes. I think that's right. Well, thank you, Noah. Thank you.
going to do a podcast with a President's Day. And the first question is, how do you think of President's Day? Well, I, I think of President's Day of, like, appreciating our president and what he's done to our laws and helped out our country. Mm-hmm. But I also think of President's Day as, like, all the other presidents before, yeah. like, celebrating them and their accomplishments. Yep. <coughs> I think of that the same way. And uh, have you ever hated President's Day? President that you do not like? Uh, actually, yeah. Uh, this one. I ain't gonna lie. But that's okay because I don't discriminate against slow and smart. So it's okay. <laughs> and what was your favorite President's Day? My favorite President's Day was 2020. <laughs> yeah. That's mine too. <laughs> Do you have any important memories from Black History Month? Like, any event that happened in your life that you remember? Uh, I think in Lamar, we celebrated it by making posters. But that's really all I can think of. I was in middle school. Yeah, so uh, in Lamar celebrating, is it like, like, what kind of party is it? Or is it just like... Y'all talk about it, go through the history. Yeah, we learn about it, talk about it. And I think we, uh, in my English class, we saw a video about uh, Martha Luther King uh, and all the people trying to get in jail to overload it. I remember that. They were spraying them with water hoses and doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, see, a lot of people talk about Black, uh, Black History Month when it comes to Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. but... I feel like he had a leading role in, like, making equal rights a thing. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that he was doing it selfishly, too. Because Martin Luther King only was going for the same thing because he wanted a white woman as a wife. I didn't know that. Uh, What do you think about Rosa Parks? Uh, I think the back of the bus is lit, and she should have not fought for it. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. I mean, I think there shouldn't be seat separation on buses anyway. Yeah. Sit where you want is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Mason, for talking to me about Black History Month. Hi, I'm Logan, and today we're talking with Terry about Groundhog Day and history and facts. Say hi. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back on the podcast about a new exciting topic that I think the listeners are going to really enjoy. So we're talking about Groundhog Day and how it took place in, on February 2nd, 1887 in Poxitani, Pennsylvania. The annual ritual has roots in pre- Christian traditions and was brought to the U.S. 
by German immigrants. Do you have anything to say on that subject? I do. I think it's really interesting all the different uh, pieces that immigrants brought to the country. And America is called a melting pot for a reason because we took all those different ideas, cultures, celebrations, hobbies, and it's melted down into where everyone has gotten a piece of it. So I did start, it was like a German thing in Europe during the uh, time before Christianity really took over and it was an ancient Celtic holiday. So when the Germans started first moving over to the United States, they carried that tradition over. Being a new land, Groundhog Day was very symbolic about when the seasons were going to start to change, which was critical for them when it came to planting and survival once they moved to new countries. So I think it is a good story of not just people's past, but uh, how it connects to survival and humanity in general. I do have something to say about the Celts because on my paper right here, February 2nd is a significant day in several ancient and modern traditions. The Celts, for instance, celebrated it as a embolic, a pagan festival marking the beginning of spring. And as you said, as Christianity spread through Europe, the timing and themes of embolic conceded with Candlemas, a feast commemorating the presentation of Jesus at the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. Yeah, the church did a really good job of merging a lot of the pagan or Celtic holidays into Christian holidays. So a lot of the ones we celebrate now, Christmas, Easter, started originally as pagan holidays, but the church, was people were having such a good time on those holidays, they weren't going to give them up, so the church made the right decision and said, let's just lump them in with Christian holidays. We don't know the exact date Jesus was born. How about Easter? That sounds pretty good. Uh, fun fact, in certain parts of Europe, Christians believe that a sunny candle mass meant another 40 days of cold and snow. Germans developed their own take on the legend, actually, pronouncing the day sunny only if badgers and other small animals glimpse their own shadows. When German immigrants settled Pennsylvania in the 18th and 19th century, they brought the custom with them, choosing the native groundhog as the annual forecaster. Yeah, the the ancients uh, thought that like, the marmot, groundhog, the badger had several different names for them. Uh, they also called him a whistle hog, which is my favorite. Uh, similar species, but different continent, but close enough where that it matched up with that ancient tradition of being kind of a weather predictor or the ancient weatherman. So that's where the shadow comes from. It's more had to do with if the groundhog came out on February 2nd and saw his shadow, that meant that the sun was out. But wasn't a good thing that the sun was out that early. It meant to them four more weeks of the groundhog hibernating and a longer winter. Nice. The first Groundhog Day was actually celebrated in Puxatawney, was the born child of local newspaper editor Clemier Freeze, who sold a group of businessmen and groundhog hunters known collectively as the Puxatawney Groundhog Club. On the idea, the men tricked to a site called Gobbler's Knob, where the integral groundhog became the bearer of bad news when he saw his shadow. Yeah, the newspaper did a great job uh, advertising, getting this holiday started up. 
perfect way to do that is tie it with a business that has something to do with the holiday. So partner with groundhog hunters, you're going to find a lot of groundhogs. Uh, let's see. How accurate are groundhogs? This statement here, while sunny winters are indeed associated with colder, drier air, we probably shouldn't trade in meteorologists for groundhogs just yet. Studied by the National Climate Data Center and the Canadian Weather Service have yielded a dismal success rate of around 50% for Puxatawney Phil. Staten Island Chuck, on the other hand, is reportedly accurate almost 80% of the time. I remember a specific instance in high school, in my sophomore or junior year, that uh, after Groundhog Day, we were all psyched because there was supposed to be a short winter, early summer, and come to find out, spring break, we ended up with 12 inches of snow in the third week of March. So winter was around for a long time that year, and the Groundhog gave us a lot of false hope. Yeah. So I got a fun fact for you. Every February 2nd, tens of thousands of spectators attend Groundhog Day events in Puxatawney, a borough that's home to 6,000 people. It is immortalized in the 1993 film Groundhog Day, which was actually shot in Woodstock, Illinois. This is an interesting fact. I've seen Groundhog Day probably when I was five or six years old. It's an instant classic. And there is more than 100,000 people attending the town's Wallow Bear Festival held every fall since 1972. Man, now that is a real celebration. But Wally Bear caterpillars aren't the best prognosticators either. While their bands may vary from year to year, researchers have found the variation is due last year's. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure there's some other species that might be a little more accurate than the groundhog, but just don't have the celebrity or fame. Yeah. So, thank you, Terry. We have completed what I was actually aiming for. We have overdid it. Right. Well, thanks for having me again, and I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this and has had a great Groundhog Day. Thank you, Terry. All right, bye. And goodbye, podcast.
constant that heart stress is the leading cause of death for women. Welcome to the Hornet Buzz Podcast. I'm John, and I'm here to talk about Valentine's Day. I have an article here from Michelle Shen on US Today, published on February 11th, 2022. What's the story behind Valentine's Day? Less about love and more of a bloodbath. Hmm. While Valentine's Day may be associated with romantic love, the real story behind its namesake, St. Valentine, is full of bloodshed and heartbreak. There are multiple St. Valentines in history, and the historical origins of the figure are shaky, some with, with some believing he was a myth or worship, for worship, while others believed he was a real person. The most likely historical figure of St. Valentine is Valentine de Terni. According to an article on the Saint of Academic Journal, Repertoire de Medicina Lyceriukia, a Roman saint from the 3rd century, Valentine de Terni was thrown into jail for secret marrying couples against, secretly marrying couples against the wishes of Emperor Claudius II, who put forth an edict banning the marriage for military personnel. The Emperor believed that marriage would distract his military and make them less efficient on the battlefield. His jailer, a man named Astrius, taunted Valentine Deterni about his supposed powers as a Catholic priest, saying he should make his daughter Julia, who was born to be blind, be able to see again. By reciting a prayer, St. Valentine restored Julia's life. Awestruck by his powers, Astrius converted to Christianity and released religious prisoners from jail. Valentine Deterni reportedly wrote a single letter to Julia signed from your Valentine, giving rise to the celebration of his martyrdom. Hmm, interesting. St. Valentine was also known for his powers for curing epilepsy, a disease involving dramatic seizures that plagued and terrified people over the centuries. Believed to be caused by demons, St. Valentine would afford exorcisms to rid people of the demons and thus cure their epilepsy. Now the question is, did it work? <laughs> Chapels and art all over Europe depict St. Valentine and his mystical healing powers. But St. Valentine's legacy has been enshrined as a day for people to celebrate romantic love. Another piece of information from the article, The History of Valentine's Day and Why We Celebrate It, on Real Simple by Real Simple Editors on January 25th, 2024. Some interesting facts and as well as maybe some celebrations as to how we celebrate Valentine's Day. (laughs) Anyways, let's begin. Why is Valentine's Day celebrated on February 14th? In general, early Christians often opted to celebrate holidays on days that coincide with existing festivals. 
and celebrations like Christmas and winter solstice. So they placed Valentine's Day on February 14th, while Lupercalia was also celebrated on February 15th. <laughs> Who was St. Valentine? And what did he have to do with chocolate hearts? Not much, it turns out. St. Valentine's Day was a feast in the Catholic religion. Added to the liturgical calendar around 580. The day was commemorated for martyred saints named, you guessed it, Valentine. Differing legends celebrated three different saints called Valentine or Valentinus. But since little was known about these men, and there were conflicting reports of the St. Valentine's Day story, the feast day was removed from the Roman Catholic liturgical calendar in 1969. But even even though not much is known about the real history of the St. Valentine's Day, Valentine's on whom the holiday is based, the legend of St. Valentine has several tellings. One legend says that St. Valentine refused to covert to paganism and was executed by, executed by Roman Emperor Claudius II. Prior to his execution, he was able to miraculously heal the daughter of his jailer, who then converted to Christianity along with his family. Another legend says a bishop named St. Valentine of Tyranny is the true namesake of this holiday. This St. Valentine was also executed. <laughs> But according to others, this is how St. Valentine became affiliated with a love-focused holiday. St. Valentine was a Roman priest who performed weddings for soldiers forbidden to marry because of a Roman emperor's edict discreeting married soldiers. Did because of a Roman emperor's edict decreeing marrying married soldiers married soldiers did not make good warriors and thus young men could not marry. This St. Valentine wore a ring with a cupid on it, a symbol of love that helps soldiers recognize it. And, in a precursor to greeting cards, he handed out paper hearts to remind Christians for their love of God. Because of this legend, St. Valentine became known as the patron saint of love. The St. Valentine prayer asked St. Valentine to connect lovers together so that two become one, and the couple remember their devotion to God. While the St. Valentine story sets the groundwork for establishing the day as a holiday for romantic love, what truly solidified the connection between St. Valentine and Love was po- a poem by medieval author Coffey Geoffrey Chaucer in 1375, which historians consider the origin of the modern celebration of Valentine's Day, where we celebrate a romantic partnership with another person. Now. Why do we celebrate it? Chauffeur lived in the Middle Ages, the era of courtly love, when broad romantic statements of devotion, poems, songs, paintings, celebrated partnership. But by the end of the 15th century, the word Valentine was being used to describe a lover in poems and songs of the day. And in the 18th century, a book called The Young Man's Valentine. Writer was published in English, England. By the mid-19th century, mass-produced papers Valentine's cards were being created through DIY Valentine's card ideas, or still worth trying. Valentine's Day as we know it was born. 
The average Valentine's Day gift giver spends nearly $200 on Valentine's gifts nowadays. For about 200 out of 200. And this is just out of the two, 26 billion people, uh, money, uh, dollars overall. While most people send out nice messages for the holiday, Victorian era folks sometimes use Valentine's to turn out a suitor, called a vinegar Valentine. Another fact, that, another cool little fact is more than 250 million roses have produced for Valentine's Day, with red roses making up nearly two thirds of that number. What are some fun things to do for Valentine's Day? Plan a nice dinner out. Watch a romantic movie. Cook up a fancy romantic meal at a home. Or just a great Valentine's Day dessert. Host a Valentine's Day party. Do some fun Valentine's craft with your family. Write your mate a love letter. And don't forget to include a love quote or two. Or opt for some very flattering candlelight with a few romantic candles. That's it for today's buzz. Hope to see you back here in two weeks. We're glad you had a wonderful time and come check in with us at for our next one.